Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking about perineal tenosynovitis in runners. And before I forget, I want to mention that at the bottom of the show notes for this particular episode, you can get clear instructions on the simplest ways runners can treat this condition at home. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running even if you've been injured. If you're listening to this, you're probably a runner, and you probably also have pain on the outside of your ankle. You may have already been to see a doctor, or maybe you're just trying to figure this out on your own. Either way, either you or somebody else has suggested that you have a problem with the perineal tendons, and you're probably worried that it's going to screw up your ability to run for at least the next several weeks. Your doctor may have told you, or you may have read, continuing to run with perineal tendonitis can result in permanent damage to the tendons. So, A diagnosis of perineal tendonitis can be and should be concerning. Perineal tenosynovitis, perineal tendonitis, perineal tendon tears, they all affect the perineal tendons, but they're different problems. In the overwhelming majority of cases, runners are told that they have perineal tendonitis, but fortunately, that's not always true. Problems with the perineal tendons have a full range of difficulties. We talked about this a little bit in the overview on perineal tendonitis. The most important thing is to figure out whether or not you actually have perineal tendonitis or you have another condition that might be easier to treat like perineal tenosynovitis. Let me give you an example. My own personal perineal story is really a classic tale, similar to stories I've heard from patients I've treated on many occasions. What happened to me was I was using Newton running shoes for speed work and for races. If you haven't run on those before, you have to understand that they have these protruding lugs under the forefoot that help you run as a forefoot or midfoot striker. One thing that is great about Newton running shoes is they seem to really help you build more perineal strength, but if you're not used to running on them and your perineal muscles are weak, you can get an overuse injury if you ramp your mileage up too quickly. This is true of a lot of different minimalist shoes, actually. Anyway, I had finished one Ironman race earlier in the season. After that race, I quit running in the Newtons for a few weeks, and I was getting ready to do Ironman Florida. The race was only about a month away, and it suddenly occurred to me that I needed to get used to running in the Newton running shoes for more consistently before going to use them at Ironman Florida. So I decided to run in the Newton running shoes that weekend for my long run. This is one of those classic ways runners make mistakes. I knew it would be a bad idea to run a long way in shoes I wasn't accustomed to. However, I justified it by telling myself I was going to run with one of my friends who talks a lot. Since I figured we'd be running and talking, we'd be running relatively slowly. But it was a long run. In fact, it ended up being a 16-mile run on rolling terrain. 16 miles of hills is not a good way to break in a pair of shoes. The next morning, I woke up and stepped out of bed. I had pain in my left foot. I looked down and I had an enormous bruise on the side of my left foot and ankle. Bruising is the worst possible sign when you're a runner. If you get a bruise, it means that you have done some significant damage to the tissue. You did enough damage to cause bleeding under the skin. That means either you broke a bone, ripped a muscle, split a tendon, or tore some soft tissue structure enough that it had to bleed. So there I was that morning sitting on my back porch drinking coffee, staring at the bruise, wondering how I was going to get better in time for Ironman Florida. To be completely open and truthful about it, I was worried. Very worried. 
Several times a year, I am invited to speak at medical conferences to teach other physicians about how to treat complicated running injuries, identify subtle fracture patterns in runners, and I teach podiatrists, foot and ankle surgeons, and sports medicine doctors about running biomechanics. I can tell you with 100% certainty if I describe my case at one of those conferences to a room filled with doctors, virtually every physician in the room would say, I had to wear a fracture walking boot for six weeks. The base assumption from most doctors would be that pain coupled with that amount of bruising suggested either a bad stress fracture or a torn perineus brevis tendon. Since I did not have any pain at all when I did my usual self-diagnosis routine and checked for a metatarsal stress fracture, and I only had pain when I was pushing on the perineus brevis tendon, that really only could suggest a perineus brevis tendon problem. I think most doctors in that scenario would say I should use a fracture walking boot for four to six weeks. After six weeks, if the problem has not resolved, then it would be time to get an MRI to see if there was an actual split or tear in the perineus brevis tendon. Since I was only four weeks out from Ironman Florida, obviously this routine was not going to work with my schedule. So I figured it was time for drastic action. I iced the foot like crazy. I even submerged it completely in ice water. And it started to improve. I also quickly realized that if I were walking around the house in running shoes instead of barefoot, I didn't have that much discomfort. Since I always have fracture walking boots to give to my patients when I see them during a house call, I decided I should use a fracture walking boot just to really let it calm down immediately. So I iced it. I wore compression socks and a fracture walking boot 24-7. The next morning, I could walk in the fracture walking boot with no pain whatsoever. Within a couple of days, even though the bruise was still there, I could push on the perineus brevis tendon and move my foot in a way that had to activate and fire the perineus brevis tendon, and I had no pain. No pain is a very good sign. To make a long story short, I did Ironman Florida, and I had my fastest race ever. The instructive part of the story for you listening to this today is that it didn't take six weeks to heal. In fact, it only took a few days to heal with that particular routine. And what that really means is that I could not have had a stress fracture. I could not have had a split in the perineus brevis tendon. They just don't heal that quickly. I also could not have even had a true case of perineus brevis tendonitis because they also don't heal that quickly. I only had a case of perineal tenosynovitis. Perineal tenosynovitis is simply inflammation of the sheath that surrounds the perineal tendons. Now, it may help you if we cover just a little bit of perineal tendon anatomy just to tell you what we're talking about here and try to describe it. The two perineal tendons are on the outside of your ankle as they curve down behind the back of the fibula bone, which is the hard bump on the outside of your ankle, and they head out to your foot. When they go around that curve behind the fibula bone, there's a lot of friction. To reduce that friction, the two tendons are surrounded by a tendon sheath. The tendon sheath is just a tough, fibrous tube on the outside of the tendons, but on the inside it's lined with soft, squishy synovial tissue. The synovial tissue makes the synovial fluid, which lubricates the perineal tendons as they glide back and forth through the tendon sheath. The outside of the tendon sheath is tough. It's sort of like a garden hose. A garden hose is tough, and when you turn on the water, the hose doesn't expand or blow up like a balloon. The tendon sheath works the same way. So when you have swelling inside the tendon sheath, instead of swelling outward and blowing up like a balloon, what happens is that the squishy synovial tissue on the inside of the tendon sheath actually swells inward. That swelling decreases the internal diameter of the tendon sheath. But the size of the tendons themselves isn't going to change. The perineal tendons are just like cables made of collagen. You can't squeeze them and make them smaller. 
The reason it becomes painful when you have perineal tenosynovitis is that the two tendons are sliding back and forth, squeaking their way and squeezing their way through this tender, swollen, and inflamed synovial tissue, and it hurts. If you ignore this problem, it won't calm down. Every time you take a step, every time you push off when you run, every time you absorb shock when you land and your tendons move back and forth through that swollen tendon sheath, you are irritating the synovial tissue. Even if you're as strong as an ox and half as smart, ignoring the problem, just because you're tough, it's not a good idea. If you keep running and ignore the pain, you will have inflammatory fluid trapped within the tendon sheath. That inflammatory fluid then bathes the two perineal tendons in degradative enzymes that actually degenerate the collagen that make up the two tendons. Over time, the collagen becomes damaged and weaker. You start getting micro tears and a condition known as tendinosis. The tendons get thicker. They take up more space. The increased diameter of the tendon itself further irritates the synovial tissue. And eventually, if ignored for long enough, one or both of the tendons will tear. This is the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's a virtual doctor visit? The idea of not running at all while waiting for my foot to heal was simply depressing. I really needed a second opinion from an expert, someone who specializes in helping runners. What you'll get from Dr. Segler in my experience is expert runner and medical care that's individualized for your needs. I'm left with actionable steps to recover from my injury. Dr. Segler is different and I felt heard, didn't feel patronized, and I felt like he prioritized getting me back to running as soon as possible as much as I did. I just couldn't see sitting around for six weeks knowing my hard-earned fitness would vanish. I know Dr. Segler is an expert and I wanted to see him in person. But frankly, I just couldn't afford the cost of a house call. I saved enough money to pay for my next marathon registration. You'll have an appointment with Dr. Segler, whether it's via Skype or on the phone. You can expect, one, he's gonna be on time. Two, he's gonna be able to spend more time with you than the typical uh, visit in a doctor's office. And both of those are gonna result in more effective diagnosis and treatment plan for you. I'm a young woman in the Philippines and I hurt my ankle yesterday. I just wanted to say thank you and that it's such a relief to be able to find a website like yours and get some information when I'm in a place with uh, little to no medical care. So I just wanted to call and say thank you. You're awesome. Book a virtual doctor visit and get a second opinion online today. Welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. The increased diameter of the tendon itself further irritates the synovial tissue, and eventually, if ignored for long enough, one or both of the tendons will tear. And don't be confused, this does happen. I actually did surgery on a runner four days before he was supposed to do a marathon. He had two splits or tears in his perineus brevis tendon and a tear in his perineus longus tendon as well. All that happened just because he continued to ignore the pain and continued to run. I would be willing to bet all of his trouble began with a simple case of perineal tenosynovitis. But don't worry, there is good news. Perineal tenosynovitis is actually pretty easy to treat in its early stages. Itis means inflammation, so this is really just a case of inflammation that has to go down. One of the simplest and oldest ways to get inflammation to go down is called the PRICE method. P-R-I-C-E. P is for protection. You have to protect the tendon sheath. Although a fractured walking boot or a cast will certainly protect the tendon, you don't always have to use something so drastic. If you walk around in stiff supporting hiking boots, you may be able to protect the tendons almost as much as if you were using a fractured walking boot. You could even try supportive, lightweight hiking boots or trail running shoes. 
the basic idea is you want to try to use something that's more supportive than the shoes you were wearing when you sustained the injury. You don't have to completely immobilize it in most cases. You just want to make sure whatever you're wearing provides enough support to calm the tendon sheath down. R is for rest. Most doctors recommend strict rest. They tell you to quit running. They tell you to stop all activities. They tell you have to rest totally to get better. But when it comes to runners, I always recommend relative rest, not strict rest. Obviously, if you were running on trails or on loose sand when the injury occurred, you want to stop doing that. But you might still be able to ride a bike or even run on flat, predictable surfaces without pain. You just have to get enough rest to allow the tendon to heal, but it doesn't mean you have to stop all activity. I is for ice. Ice may be the most effective way to decrease the inflammation. Because the tendons in the tendon sheath are relatively close to the skin, it might help if you just apply an ice pack. But if you really want to shut off inflammation as quickly as possible, you should do the contrast bath routine. Just go to the podcast show notes page for this particular episode and I will email an instructional video that shows you exactly how to do the contrast bath routine. I'll also send a couple of other helpful episodes to you so you know exactly how to keep healing. Now C is for compression. When you look at your foot and you can see it's swollen, you have too much fluid in the tissue. That is part of inflammation. If you squeeze the tissue, it pushes the fluid out. You need to use compression to help push the fluid out. You can use an ACE wrap or you can use compressive socks. If you're a runner, you may already have some knee-high compression socks. These work great. Just make sure the foot section is also providing compression. Some of the new compression socks are supposed to be more comfortable because the foot section feels more like a regular running sock. But you need the ones that feel tight all the way from the toes to up to the knee. If you sleep in compression socks for the first couple of days, it'll really help push the fluid out quickly. E is for elevation. If you want to get the fluid out as quickly as possible, get your feet up in the air. They have to be up above your heart. If you're sitting in a chair, if your foot is propped up next to you, you're not really elevating. Your foot has to be up above your heart. The higher up, the better. If you can, lay down on the floor, flat on your back, put your feet straight up the wall. This is actually a yoga pose known as legs up the wall pose. If you do this while you're wearing compression socks, it'll really accelerate the drainage process. Now, the more of these things you do, the faster it will heal. Now, just in case you're doubtful that these things will really help, just listen to what Gary from San Ramon said recently. He actually wrote in and said, Finished Ironman Santa Rosa the other day with no foot issues. Thanks so much. Pain was gone as if nothing had happened two weeks after our appointment. Could perineal tenosynovitis heal that fast? Thanks again. Well, now keep in mind that Gary did all the right stuff. So he did a bunch of these things to try to decrease the stress to the tendon, decrease the inflammation, and get better as quickly as possible. So if you're a runner and you start having pain and you suspect it's perineal tenosynovitis, the solution is pretty simple. You really have a couple of choices. Option number one, go to the doctor, sit around all day, spend several hundred dollars and get x-rays that won't show anything. Let the doctor tell you you have to wear a fracture walking boot for four to six weeks. I can assure you that if you wear a fracture walking boot for six weeks, the perineal tendons will calm down and perineal tenosynovitis will heal fairly reliably. But the cost of wearing a fracture walking boot is really high when you're a runner. You just can't afford that level of loss of fitness, weakness, and stiffness in the ankle. You just wind up with other problems later. Option number two, call a running injury expert like me directly to have a phone consultation or a Skype consultation to help walk you through the options and explain all the details to you. I do these sort of remote consultations for athletes all over the world, but the truth is most runners don't even need that.
The fact that you're even listening to this tells me you've already started searching for solutions. And if you're searching for solutions, you can understand the difference between these conditions even without my help. Option number three, do your own self-diagnosis and self-treatment and see if you improve. Again, just like in my case and in Gary's case as well, we both got better with really simple treatments after a very short period of time. And within just a couple of weeks, Gary did a marathon. I had my fastest Ironman ever four weeks after developing perineal tenosynovitis, all because I did simple treatments right away. If you try to treat the condition on your own and it doesn't improve, you can still go to either of those other options. You can go to see your own doctor. You can still call me for a remote consultation. But in either case, it will be helpful to know how you responded to those simple treatments. Perineal tenosynovitis is just inflammation inside the tendon sheath surrounding the tendons. It's just soft tissue inflammation. It heals really quickly and responds pretty effectively to very simple treatments. If you try all the simple treatments and you remove the inflammation but you're not getting better, then it may be actually a case of true perineal tendonitis. Perineal tenosynovitis will usually dramatically improve after just a few days of doing the contrast bath routine, decreasing activity, and wearing compression socks. So you have to keep that in mind whenever a doctor tells you that you actually have perineal tendonitis. I really believe that many doctors overdiagnose the problem and condemn patients to a much longer period of immobilization, inactivity, and no running than is necessary. The bottom line is, unless you've had an MRI or unless you've already tried to treat it the way you should treat perineal tenosynovitis, you can't really say for sure that you have a worst case scenario like perineal tendonitis, or a tear in one of the perineal tendons. Those are worse problems, but they're much less common in runners than perineal tenosynovitis. The key with treating perineal tendon injuries is to make sure you know exactly what the problem is. Then you want to treat it as quickly as possible. You also want to make sure you maintain as much activity while you continue to heal. Don't just lock yourself up in a boot for weeks if you don't really need it. Don't stop running unless it is really required to heal. There are many different forms of perineal tendon injuries, and they're all different severities. We don't all get the same condition, and we don't all need a fracture walking boot for six weeks. Not only that, but everybody heals differently. As a runner, you really have to make sure you're getting the most appropriate treatment for you, with your potential to heal, with your particular injury, and in a way that will help you maintain your fitness and keep on track with your running goals. As soon as you quit driving, as soon as you get off your exercise bike, or as soon as you get done listening to this, go to DocOnTheRun.com, go to the podcast show notes page for this episode, and I'll show you exactly how to do the contrast bath routine and exactly how to keep healing. It's all free. All you have to do is enter your email and I'll send it directly to you. If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me. And then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.